0: Hey, everyone. I'm Eric Thompson, and welcome to this week's Three Shifts Edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. As I've mentioned recently, we're hitting pause on future Three Shifts podcast episodes for now, and this is our last episode. We're interested in your feedback on what else you'd like to hear from us in a podcast format. Let us know by shooting us a note at hello at sixpages.com or DMing us on social. We'll use it to shape the future of the Six Pages Market Shifts podcast. And as a reminder, you can continue to read the weekly three shifts editions and summaries of our deeply researched briefs by signing up for free on sixpages.com. All right, let's get into this week's shifts. It's August 20th, 2021, and here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, Facebook and other big tech firms invest in subsea cables to advance global connectivity. Two, what's Axel Springer up to with its U.S. media acquisitions? And three, big oil is ramping up investments in clean tech startups. Shift one, Facebook and other big tech firms invest in subsea cables to advance global connectivity. The past week has seen a spate of announcements from Facebook, which along with the big cloud players, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft, is investing in subsea fiber optic cables to support connectivity of its services. Facebook's investments are largely focused on boosting capacity and speeds for fast digitizing and/or underserved regions in Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. Facebook, via its contractor Edge Cable Holdings, and Amazon are petitioning the Federal Communications Commission (FCC) for approval to jointly operate a subsea cable, Cap 1, connecting California and the Philippines. Chinese telco China Mobile pulled out of the project. Resolving government concerns about Chinese carrier involvement in U.S. infrastructure. The Cap1 cable, 83% owned by Facebook and Edge Cable Holdings, 17% by Amazon, and built by NEC America, would be operational in late 2022 with a max speed of 108 terabits per second. The cable will support growth of Facebook's services in Southeast Asia, while Amazon will interconnect its data centers and gain capacity for its cloud services. Two days later, Facebook announced a new collaboration with Google and other partners on a subsea cable system called Apricot that will connect Japan, Taiwan, Guam, Philippines, Indonesia, and Singapore. Apricot, expected to be operational in 2024 with a design capacity of over 190 terabits per second, will support the growing connectivity needs in the fast-digitizing Southeast Asia region. Apricot will be complementary to the Echo and Bifrost subsea cables announced in March 2021 which will connect Singapore, Indonesia, Guam, and North America. Echo is another Facebook-Google collaboration, while Bifrost is a Facebook partnership with regional players. The day after the Apricot announcement, 2Africa, a $1 billion consortium that includes Facebook as well as global and regional telecom players, for example, Vodafone, China Mobile, and Saudi Telecom, announced four new cable landings. 2Africa, which expects to go live in late 2023, will connect Africa, the Middle East, and Europe for a total of 35 landings in 26 countries. The, quote, most comprehensive subsea cable to serve the African continent and Middle East region, end quote, will have a design capacity of up to 180 terabits per second and be built by Alcatel Submarine Networks, a division of Nokia. Subsea fiber optic cables are not a new phenomenon. These cables connect 97 and 99 percent of all internet traffic. With over 460 cables currently in operation or under construction. Over 1.3 million kilometers of cable are in service today. A single project to lay giant spools of specially designed cable about the width of a thick garden hose in the ocean floor can cost $350 million to $400 million, though this is declining over time and take two to three years to complete. The economic lifespan of a cable is about 25 years, after which the technology typically becomes obsolete and is retired in favor of newer, higher-capacity cable. Traditionally, subsea cables were owned by telecom carrier consortia and then later internet backbone providers. However, the bandwidth used by quote-unquote content providers like Facebook, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft, called the Big Four in the submarine cable industry, has risen so rapidly, they decided a decade ago to invest in their own infrastructure. $8 billion in new cable investments are expected over the next three years with the boom largely driven by the big four. Echo and Bifrost alone will expand trans-Pacific capacity by 70%. Google has been the most aggressive, participating in over 18 cable projects, six of which are wholly owned. Facebook is not far behind with the reported 14 projects, all collaborations. Big tech firms like Facebook are, in part, working under the thesis that helping fast digitizing regions digitize faster is good for business. Indonesia, for instance, is already Facebook's third-largest market, and its fastest-growing regions are the Middle East and Africa. Given that 3.5 billion people globally are already using Facebook services every month, it's very likely that more people online will only mean more people using Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp. For Google, it's also about using its privately-owned cable to differentiate Google Cloud from the other players. Like satellite constellations and 5G, 6G, Subsea cables have become yet another battleground with China, and a hot-button geopolitical issue among governments concerned they can be tapped or cut. Approvals for subsea cable are required by governments on both ends. In the U.S., after lengthy delays in getting regulatory approvals, Google and Facebook have backed away from cable landings in China-controlled regions like Hong Kong. Among the aims of the U.S. government-led Clean Network Initiative are to keep the subsea cables connected to the U.S. and its foreign partners quote-unquote clean of China and Huawei's influence and intelligence gathering. Huawei Marine Networks is one of the four big oceanic cable suppliers. U.S. firms are not the only players investing in the connectivity arms race. Huawei is building the peace cable, expected Q4 2021, which will connect China with Pakistan, parts of Africa, and France. According to an executive at Orange SA, which will operate the cable's landing station in France, Quote, this is a plan to project power beyond China toward Europe and Africa. End quote. In India, where the government has been pushing for greater self-reliance, Reliance Geo Infocom is now constructing a subsea cable network of its own. These subsea cable investments could be an inflection point in ramping up connectivity in underserved markets like Southeast Asia and Africa. Connectivity can help accelerate economies. One analysis of Google's Asia Pacific network infrastructure investments found they resulted in an additional $430 billion in GDP and 1.1 million new jobs. Questions remain, however, as to whether broadband satellite, such as SpaceX's Starlink, might replace subsea cables altogether. Subsea cable can still carry far more data than satellite at lower cost, with continued technological advances in expanding fiber and cable capacity. Satellite-based internet currently tops out at about 150 megabits per second, though Starlink has ambitions of reaching 1 gigabit per second. In contrast, the 250 terabits per second design capacity of Google's Grace Hopper cable is 250,000 times the bandwidth of a 1 gigabit per second connection. Zeo's Zeus has even more potential capacity at over 4,000 terabits per second. While satellite internet is showing promise in reaching rural and less accessible areas, it is unlikely to replace subsea cables as the workhorse of the internet anytime soon. As the cost of launching satellites comes down and constellations become more reliable, we may eventually see broadband satellite nibbling away at some of the subsea cable's use cases. To read more content related to connectivity, check out our April 23, 2021, Three Shifts edition, U.S. and Japan invest $4.5 billion in 6G with an eye to the next battleground with China. In our March 9, 2021 brief, the commercialization and democratization of private 5G networks. Shift 2. What's Axel Springer up to with its U.S. media acquisitions? This week, it was reported that German digital publishing house Axel Springer was in talks to acquire a partial stake or to a full buyout of Washington, D.C. political news outlet Politico. Politico, which generates $200 million annually in revenue, 80% of which is in North America, is reportedly looking for up to $1 billion in a deal. The 5x revenue multiple is considered rich for the industry which is typically valued in the 3-4x to range. If the deal closes, it will be the latest in the ongoing parade of media mergers as publishers seek scale to position themselves in a quote-unquote post-cookie world. Axel Springer already has a partnership with Politico that dates back to 2014, when it launched Politico Europe as a 50-50 joint venture. Politico, launched in 2007, is best known for its coverage of politics and policy, which generated 54 million unique visitors each month in 2020. Its slate of offerings, supported by nearly 400 journalists, 600 staff in North America, includes written and video reporting, analysis and editorials on policy and issues, a deep portfolio of theme-based newsletters and podcasts, and live events. Politico also owns tech-focused publication Protocol. Politico largely makes money by selling advertising and subscriptions to premium content, as well as magazine sales and live events. The Politico Pro B2B platform. Its most lucrative business offers early access to scoops, in depth policy reporting, primary source documents and congressional transcripts, policymaker directories, exclusive events, and more. Pricing for Politico Pro, which is used by quote almost 30,000 policy professionals, end quote, across over 4,500 organizations, begins in the quote unquote high four figure range and ranges into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. It has consistently reported a renewal rate of over 90%. And represented over half of Politico's revenue in twenty nineteen. Given the success of Politico Pro, Politico has been working to expand its premium subscription portfolio. In January 2020, it announced Agency IQ, a customized regulatory monitoring dashboard with initial FDA focus, at an average contract price, quote, in the high five figures, end quote, twenty-five to seventy five thousand dollars according to Digiday. Then, in December 2020, Politico acquired E News a premium-priced industry publication focused on energy and environmental news, which generates $20 million annually in revenue. Print ads and live events were down during the pandemic, but Politico still grew by over 20% in 2020, powered by Politico Pro and Audience Solutions, advertising campaigns. While the Politico deal is not done yet, it is the latest indication of Axel Springer's acquisitive bent. Ever since its voluntary KKR-backed $3.2 billion public takeover in July 2019, which then took Axel Springer private in January 2020, it's been on an expansion drive backed by KKR money. In September 2019, it acquired a minority stake in Group Nine Media, which includes Thrillist, Now This News, Seeker and Dodo. Then in October 2020, Axel Springer subsidiary Insider Group, Business Insider, acquired a majority stake in $20 million per year newsletter brand Morning Brew for $75 million. Insider Group itself was a 2015 Axel Springer acquisition at a $442 million valuation, which it refers to as its quote-unquote anchor investment. Most recently, in May 2021, Axel Springer was in talks to buy Axios, founded by ex Politico staff, for a reported $400 million, though by July 2021, Axios was publicly expressing reluctance for the deal. There's been a wave of consolidation among media brands over the past few years. For example, Vox and New York Media, Vice and Refinery 29, Group 9 Media and Pop Sugar, BuzzFeed and HuffPost, and BuzzFeed and Complex Networks. Going public via merger with a SPAC, Special Purpose Acquisition Company, is increasingly becoming a more attractive option to raise capital and provide liquidity to investors. Group 9 Media launched a SPAC in January 2021 that is expected to consolidate the industry further, while BuzzFeed, BDG Media, and Vice are looking to go public via SPAC. Axel Springer has a minority stake in BDG Media. Publishers are trying to increase their holdings of strong, differentiated content, both high-traffic B2C and premium B2B, under their umbrella. Margins in publishing are often slim or negative, even for well-known brands. The pathway to profitability often seems to involve a diversified combination of consumer-side scale and high-priced prosumer enterprise subscriptions, with the two working in tandem. Axel Springer's acquisition drive can also be viewed through the lens of building up its pool of scalable first-party data. It is repositioning itself for a world without third-party cookies, in which those with first-party data directly collected from users, such as publishers, are gaining leverage. As part of its effort to make first-party data more attractive to advertisers, it is working on ways to create quote-unquote targetable segments, including quote-unquote data-clean rooms where marketers can create segments by pooling their own data with Axel Springer's without exposing it. Axel Springer has touted its non-reliance on Google's ad stack, one of a growing number of publishers looking to build their own in-house ad businesses with the help of third-party vendors. To read more content related to publishers in a cookie future, check out our June 4th, 2020 brief, Publishers and Retail Brands Adapt to the Coming Death of Third-Party Cookies. In our November 9th, 2019 brief, Facebook News and the Current Wave of News Aggregators. Shift 3. Big oil is ramping up investments in clean tech startups. Big oil companies, feeling unprecedented pressure from both investors and regulators to reduce their carbon footprint, are ramping up their venture capital investment in clean tech startups. PitchBook data shows that non-traditional investors like BP, Shell, and Total Energies SE, formerly Total, are now among the most active clean tech investors. Chevron and ExxonMobil are increasing their focus on venture investments as well though both have been reluctant to make firm commitments to emissions reduction. Shell, which in May 2021 was found partially responsible for climate change by a Dutch court in order to reduce emissions 45% by 2030 for its 2019 levels, is now doing 20-25 to deals per year through Shell Ventures, more than double the number in 2017. Shell Ventures is also focusing its investments more on renewable energy, mobility solutions, and hydrogen. So far in 2021, the venture arm has invested in at least nine startups, including battery swapping startup Ample, a follow on round, bike taxi platform Rapido, white label energy marketplace LO3 Energy, residential smart energy platform Net2Grid, zero emission aircraft developer ZeroAvia, hydrogen fuel cell startup Celodyne Technologies, and EV charging solution provider Xcharge. BP, which plans to cut oil and gas production by 40% by 2030 while expanding its low carbon business, says that its BP Ventures arm will spend up to $200 million per year, double its investment in prior years. It expects to close 10 deals in 2022, up from 5 to 7 in 2021, and 3 in 2019. This year, the company has announced investments in smart EV charging firm Ioteca, geothermal energy startup Ever Technologies, Chevron is also an investor, and autonomous vehicle software firm Oxbotica, among others. Total committed last year to reaching net-zero emissions by 2050, rebranding as Total Energies in May 2021 to signify its commitment to diversifying towards renewables. It plans to spend 20% of its investment budget this year on renewables and electricity. In addition to an active portfolio of 42 companies, Total Energies Ventures is also a part of 11 funds, most focused on clean tech. So far this year, it has invested in EV subscription service Anto and smart city fund Eurozeo, among others. In February 2021, Chevron announced a $300 million fund dedicated to investing in low-carbon energy startups. Chevron Technology Ventures has invested in 8-plus startups this year, including geothermal players Ever Technologies and Baseload Capital, distributed power generation startup MainSpring Energy, offshore wind turbine company Osergy, possibly the first investment by a major U.S. oil company in offshore wind, carbon-free ammonia player Starfire Energy, carbon capture startup Blue Planet Systems, hydropower supplier Natel Energy, and waste-to-hydrogen startup Raven SR. Earlier this year, ExxonMobil saw an activist investor win a challenge to install three directors in favor of a low-carbon direction on its board. It is now contemplating a pledge to cut net emissions to zero by 2050 in addition to investing $3 billion through 2025 in a low-carbon solutions business unit dedicated to commercializing lower-emission energy technologies. It is also reportedly open to partnering with venture funds for financing carbon capture projects. Clean tech venture investments are still only a fraction of oil companies' investment budgets. While there's been a marked step-up in commitments among the oil majors, it's not clear to what extent these commitments are durable versus temporary greenwashing until the pressure eases up. It's no coincidence that the oil majors most committed to clean tech are in Europe BP of the UK, Shell of the Netherlands, and Total Energies of France, where social and regulatory pressure on emissions is greater and more consistent than in the US. For certain technologies like geothermal and carbon capture that could leverage big oil's infrastructure and capabilities, oil companies might be positioned to be kingmakers. They are recognizing this and emphasizing to startups their potential value as large customers or partners, which in some cases, is needed to overcome the startup's reluctance to partner with big oil. Strategic collaborations post-investment between oil major and startup are becoming relatively common. As investors and regulators increase their scrutiny on emissions and clean tech valuations skyrocket, U.S. oil majors may start resigning themselves to the reality of climate change and begin looking to capture their share of the pie. To read more content related to climate investments, check out our February 5th, 2021, Three Shifts edition ExxonMobil's $3 billion investment in carbon capture. In our February 26th, 2020 brief, billions in climate funding from Bezos, Microsoft, KKR, and others. Why now? That's it for this week's Three Shifts Edition. A reminder that if you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the three shifts edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on what's next for quantum computing. And until we meet again, I'm Eric Thompson, signing off for now.